الجزيرة بودكاست A family member calls you in distress. They say they need money and it's a matter of life or death. I'm guessing you'd find a way to get it to them if you could. And it's something that's been happening to a lot of people lately. Only for them to find out it was all a scam. An 89-year-old grandmother in California says she got a call from a person who sounded just like her grandson, but it wasn't. The scam targets older people and is costing victims tens of thousands of dollars. These calls have been driven by what's known as generative artificial intelligence. Scammers using deepfake technology to clone people's voices. And it can happen to anyone. Experts say to pull this off, scammers only need a little material, maybe just an innocent video you post to TikTok. They require just about three seconds of audio to clone a person's voice. The technology is adding to an already large industry of scams. In the United States alone, $2.6 billion was lost in imposter scams last year. And that was before the boom in generative AI that made it easier to produce these kinds of scams. The EU and China are ramping up the regulation fight, but even that may not be enough. So what can be done to stop these scams? I'm Natasha Del Toro, in for Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. I'm talking to Wasim Khaled, someone who knows a lot about this kind of technology. I've been a computer scientist and kind of a tech geek since the younger days. These days, Wasim is the CEO and co-founder of Blackbird, a company that analyzes disinformation online and the risks of artificial intelligence. And he's been following the latest scams pretty closely. So, Wasim... Can you give us some examples of AI-driven scams that are going around right now? Consider that today, AI enables anyone out there to go and take a couple of seconds of someone's audio and then be able to create any narrative that they want out of it. That could be calling someone up, a loved one or a friend or a business associate, and saying whatever they want in your voice. It's worth understanding just how realistic these can be. And you can hear it from the stories of victims that have made the rounds on U.S. networks like NBC and CBS. I said, what's wrong, what's wrong? She goes, I've had an accident and I need need your help. There was a young adult on the line saying, Grandma, I I need your help. In a frantic voice, they're going to take me to jail. And Grandma, please don't call my mom and dad because I don't want them to know. More recently, a woman was called by someone pretending to be her, or by an AI rather, that was purporting to be her daughter who was kidnapped and they were trying to get a ransom out of her. That's gotten a lot of attention. Jennifer DiStefano says she was convinced her 15-year-old daughter Brianna had been kidnapped. She says the scammer threatened to harm her daughter unless she sent him a million dollars. But there's also been a lot of lesser known cases where, you know, someone calls in and says, hey, we need you to authorize a wire transfer and they think the voice on the other end is their boss. Wasim sent us an example of how realistic this can sound, made by one of his colleagues on a public site that anyone can access. This is her real voice. This is the real me. 
with just a 30-second sample of me reading random sentences from novels, I was able to create an entire voice clone. And this is that clone. Mom, it's me. Look, I went to Mexico. Without telling you, I know I'm an idiot. Customs isn't letting me back into the country because of some problem with my passport. It's a $10,000 fine. Look, can you get Dad to wire some money from the bank if I give you the customs account number? Just please hurry. There's a bunch of guys around. I don't feel safe here. How easy is this to do? You know, I, I never give people the specific sites, but you could go and do a search, find a website, and within like 10, 15 minutes, take a three to 10 second clip of someone's voice, for example, and just start scripting away. That's wild. Why has this blown up so much in the past six months or so? It's really the advent of large language models, LLMs. ChatGPT, a language model created by OpenAI, has the ability to respond to prompts in a human-like manner. A large language model, or LLM, is a type of AI algorithm based on deep learning and huge amounts of data that can understand, generate, and predict new content. The simplest way to put it is, it's the proliferation of a type of technology that has become very easy to use and and open source, so free. These pieces of technology, frankly, have been in the work for, in some ways, decades, right? And now companies can go ahead and license it or use it for free, and they can build apps on top of it that perhaps even the creators of those LLMs had never really intended it to be used for. So in the case of, you know, audio, synthetic audio, or deepfake audio, the people who created these apps didn't intend for these scams to happen, just like most technology creators aren't. They just created this cool audio large language model um, for all kinds of interesting use cases, and now it's being misused for this type of work. And you said that there's a few different websites where somebody could go and learn how to do this. Um, I mean, is this something that an everyday person can get access to and create? Yeah, anybody. Anybody. I mean, there's something I could do. I don't have any knowledge of how to do this, but do you think it would be easy for me to go on a website and learn fairly quickly how to create a deep fake? Yeah, it's pretty much as easy as attaching a file to an email <laughs> for the most part, right? Oh my I mean, it's, it, it's super, super simple. Large language models on their own are quite complex, but the people who build apps around it are just trying to do what any app builder would do. How do we make this so easy anybody could use it, right? And there's just a lot of people who do a good job at that. I try to think about it like this. There is one side of these warped realities, misinformation, disinformation, that it's got a, a very dark underbelly world to it. But it's also just like, if you're on LinkedIn, every fifth post you see, or maybe even more, are generative AI or large language related, right? Here's how you can optimize your workflow by doing X, Y, and Z. It's all over everywhere. So if you think about threat actors, not as these faceless tradecraft individuals, but just people who might be hanging out on LinkedIn, looking for ways to like grift, right? They're all in that same environment. They're all seeing that, hey, there's a super powerful tool that can help me do work. That just happens to be their line of work. And so for the people who are bad actors, right, who are creating these deep fakes with bad intentions, how easy is it to track down people who are doing this? Not easy at all. 
the anonymity of the internet at large is only amplified by the fact that many of these large language models are open source. So even if you were attributing what you generated from it with the harm that you might be doing from it, no one's looking, hmm. right? So, you know, this is one of those areas where it is, it's going to be extremely difficult to actually track down the actors to, hey, it's someone sitting at this computer over here. So what can governments and citizens do about it? That's after the break. I'm Charles Dance, your narrator for Hindsight, a dramatized podcast from Al Jazeera. In this season, we hear from some of history's most notable women. An unconventional and extraordinary artist. Me? I am Frida Kahlo. A communist revolutionary. Everyone in China knew my face. You've heard of them. Now it's time you hear from them. Hindsight. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. So, Wasim, it seems kind of terrifying that you're saying it's very easy to create deep fakes. It's very easy to access the technology to do it. Anybody can do it. And it's really hard to track down bad actors. That doesn't sound good. I mean, are, are we just doomed then? I don't think that we're in an insurmountable world or like a complete post-truth or post-reality world. I do think there's a lot of fear-mongering and some of it is very necessary and valid, but I do think we've got a, a fighting chance in some ways. People have to embrace the fact that, yes, you can no longer trust anything you see in here. Not a great thing, but it's something that people just have to like, understand that the things that they used to say, oh, seeing is believing, hearing is believing and whatnot, that is no longer the case. And it'll get more and more not the case as these things increase in resolution and capability. On the flip side of that, just like generative AI can be used as a weapon, it can also be used as a shield. And I think we're going to see more and more of, of it being used as a shield, kind of like in a escalation of defense and offense. So I hate to kind of break it down into warfare tactics, but in some ways it, it is warfare. And unfortunately, it's like a battle for the mind, right? So I really do think of what's happening here as almost a, a cyber attack on human perception. And that is where, you know, unfortunately, it's a greater risk landscape as a result of these tools being out there. I mean, if you can no longer trust what you hear, if you can no longer trust what you see, then what can people do to guard against these scams? Yeah. So me, I tell people, okay, well, if it's a phone call, right, and it's from someone that is purporting to be someone that you know, especially if they're asking for money, right, well, there's some common sense things to be done here. One, you could try calling their real number back. But the reality is there's also ways to spoof those numbers. And most people are not going to be thinking that if they see that number, it's not them. So what I actually recommend, and it might sound a little bit extreme or a little absurd, but I would advise everyone to have some sort of a security phrase with their family. It might just be a sentence that you have with your children that absolutely verifies it's them. You don't want to come up with something like that on the fly. Like, what was that vacation we went to, you know, six months ago? You want to have an actual phrase, <laughs> right? Even my five-year-old has a phrase right now. And so... Unless I hear that phrase, I know it's not that person. Wow. It's a code word or like a phrase. Yeah. 
in terms of video and imagery, there are certain things that you can look for right now that are telltale. Do the hands look right in an image, right? Because AI is not really great at doing hands yet. But I think we're one generation away from the photos being almost indistinguishable. So now you have to more be concerned about the source in which you're consuming that from, which is kind of like a core tenet of critical thinking anyway, because if you have a credible institution, the chances that they're doing a deep fake is very low. Mm-hmm. So maybe there will be a future for journalists after all. One would hope. I want to bring it back, though, because I'm still thinking about if you've just heard your son or daughter, or you think you've just heard your son or daughter in distress, how do you convince someone that that wasn't them? I mean, it's hard to convince them it, it wasn't, right? I mean, that's why I go back to that secret phrase. That's kind of your validator. But yeah, otherwise, absolutely not. Because just like you can tell a text-based system like ChatGPT, write me something in an angry tone, you can do the same thing to an audio generator. You can plug in a script like, I'm in trouble, I've been kidnapped, these people have me. You can make that sound as tense and terrified as you want by giving the system that prompt. Even the little differences, the nuances in someone's voice are going to be masked by the fact that it's going to be emotionally heightened. So it just has to sound close enough. So, you know, yeah, I think it's going to be difficult unless people have already been educated that this thing exists. I think we're in for a ride because even without this kind of sophisticated, you know, perception warping technology, people were already falling for these kind of scams. Though a lot of the focus on these scams has been inside the U.S., they're far from just an American problem. A recent report by the security company McAfee found that 47% of respondents in India had either experienced or knew someone who'd experienced an AI scam. And in the past two weeks, a company affiliated with South Korea's leading mobile carrier said it suspects AI has been used in phishing scams. It's also a problem in China. And Katrina Yu, Al Jazeera's correspondent in Beijing, told us about two high-profile cases in the country. The first was in April when a man was detained in Gansu province for using ChatGPT to create a fake news article about a deadly train accident that would go viral. And his goal was to earn money via clicks from the traffic that was generated. The second was a lot like the scams we've been hearing about in the U.S. There was another incident in May where a man named Guo received a video call on WeChat from a person who he thought was his friend asking for more than $600,000 to bid on a company. And without thinking, because he saw his friend or what he thought was his friend's face asking for this, he immediately transferred the money. And later, he realized that this was a scammer using AI technology to basically pretend to be his friend. Katrina says it's something the Chinese government is looking to crack down on. Beijing has spoken more and more about the need to get tough on a rising number of AI scams and AI-related crimes. And it covers this using two laws. One is the existing criminal law, and the second is a relatively new law that was enacted at the end of last year, which is called the Anti-Telecom and Online Fraud Law. 
In the United States, the administration of President Joe Biden has issued executive orders instructing federal agencies to use AI, quote, in a manner that advances equity. They've also released an AI Bill of Rights, but no actual regulations exist. So are the laws like the ones in China the answer? I asked Wasim. Wasim, we see that in China, there's legislative bodies that have said they're going to strengthen laws against AI-powered fraud. You know, technology companies are required to watermark deepfake AI-generated content in the country. Also, the European Union is working on something known as the EU AI Act. It's positioned to be the West's first comprehensive set of AI regulations. If the systems are safe and ethical, under the proposed law, they'd be categorized according to risk. The higher the risk, the more rules. But systems deemed to pose unacceptable risks or curtail freedoms will be banned. Is this the direction that governments should be heading in? I mean, watermarks, you're going to have black market versions of those models uh, that won't have any of those safeguards in there. So I think a lot of the things that people are talking about right now is the equivalent of saying, hit agree if you're 13 years old on social media. Like, you can hit agree or you can just put in a different birth date. Like, anybody who wants to get on a platform will do. So you can put, like, everything has to be watermarked or you go to this other website and generate content that doesn't require a watermark or doesn't put a watermark on all their on all their imagery. It's certainly good to be thinking about and starting to put those measures in place. So EU in particular actually enforces a lot of the stuff they put out there monetarily, which is likely going to create a better situation maybe there locally. But again, this is an open system. People who want to use those tools in Europe are just going to get it somewhere else. And then maybe they'll operate from somewhere else. So I think commercially at a big tech level, it'll keep them on track. But from where I look, which is from a threat perspective, none of those things are going to make a difference. And these scams are pretty big in the U.S. because these tools are most sophisticated in English, right? But as it gets more sophisticated in other languages, how do you see this playing out around the world? I mean, who are the most vulnerable people? Highest population with most internet connection, because in terms of uh, training data, in order for these LLMs to really work, the generative AI models to work, they have to be trained on trillions of parameters of the type of content we're talking about. You know, you just have to look at the largest populations that are most internet connected. So you're going to see Chinese, you're going to see Russian, you're going to see Urdu, Hindi. Uh, so those are the ones that are going to likely be trained up and have better models against them first. Let me ask you, Asim, was it irresponsible for companies to make this technology so accessible in the past six months or so? I mean, do they have a responsibility to regulate it? Expecting responsibility is probably something I've not really leaned on too much given the last 10 years or so. You know, like expecting responsibility out of big tech companies that are releasing certain things into the world. I actually don't think that Companies like OpenAI and ChatGPT realize how quickly people would grab onto it and how big a thing it would become. But most big tech is is always going to be do the thing first and apologize for it later or pay the fines for it later, right? 
Uh, it's kind of like the innovation playbook in big tech for the most part and has been for some time, move fast and break things. I would prefer that the thing they broke wasn't the fabric of society, <laughs> right? But, uh, you know, because that one's kind of hard to move fast from and fix. So, yeah, I guess like I've just lost a little bit of faith in them self-regulating and a little bit in government doing effective regulation as well. So it's kind of on their own in making sure they educate themselves and protect themselves from some of the things that are out there here. And that's The Take. So are you going to make your family security phrase? Let us know on social. Not the actual phrase, though. We're at AJE Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. This episode was produced by Ashish Malotra and Faranisa Campana with Sonia Bagat, Miranda Lynn, Amy Walters, Khaled Sultan, David Enders, Chloe K. Lee, and me, Natasha Del Toro. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alexander Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Nate Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio. We'll be back. <laughs>